Hi there, and welcome to the Jeff MacArthur Podcast for this Monday, September the 14th. Coming up, we'll talk about the COVID spike in numbers due to nightclubs. Back to school means back to a crowded TTC. Are we getting closer to a COVID vaccine? TikTok has chosen its U.S. business partner. And Canada's Huawei battle builds as the government may not be compensating telecoms for existing Huawei gear. All of that coming up next on the Jeff MacArthur Podcast. Let's start with the numbers. Ontario reporting 313 new cases today. That is our highest count, how about this, since June the 5th. Meantime, Toronto's back-to-school plans continue to dominate the headlines. Peel Region, as I'm sure you heard, pushing back some of their plans is, how about this, upwards of 10,000 families. 10,000 last week decided, in-person classroom learning, Not so much. Not for us. Instead, they're going to opt for at-home online learning. These 313 new COVID cases in the province today, we have got lots, lots of COVID headlines to cover. So off the top, let's welcome in Dr. Michael Gardam, an infectious disease expert. Dr. Gardam joins us here on Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. Doctor, good afternoon. Nice to have you back on. Thanks for having me. Okay, first off, we're up over 300 again, 313 new cases. Again, our highest daily count since uh, June the 5th. Uh, Are you particularly troubled by that number? Um, Yeah, I am. It's not just that number. It's also the trend over the last couple of weeks. Basically, since uh, the third week of August, our cases have been going up uh, pretty steadily. It was only a few few weeks ago we were talking about 100 cases a day. Now we're at uh, 300 cases. And I would assume if we continue along this track, we'll be upwards of 500, 600 cases a day, potentially by the end of the month. So we are reaching the point where we have to do something about this. All right. Why do you think we'll be up near 500? Is that because by then, by the end of the month, we'll have back to school numbers kind of factoring in, rolling in? Yeah, that's right. I mean, right now, these numbers are not uh, affected really at all by back to school or back to university because the students have only just come back. So we'll be adding that in. But it's also the fact that the right now, this, the spread of the virus is, uh, is, is more people are catching it than they were catching it, let's say, three months ago. And of those people, they're spreading it to more people. And so we start to see what we call the exponential growth of the virus, which is a bit about bit similar to what we saw back in the late winter, where if you don't act early, things start to get away on you quite quite quickly. Yeah, let's dig into that a little further when you talk about uh, the disease or the virus is spreading uh, more quickly or quicker than ever and back to school. I was reading uh, late yesterday with interest what's going on in London, Ontario right now. Five Western University students testing a positive, and they were at a number, apparently, of uh, bars and nightclubs uh, in that city. And now London has got a, a community outbreak uh, alert uh, going on there. So, you know, it only takes a few, and then all of a sudden you, you start uh, multiplying that with the amount of uh, possible exposure, and all of a sudden you've got uh, a bit of panic in a community. No, that's absolutely right. And, and you know... Right now, it's a bit, um, it can almost feel a bit safe right now in a way because we're not seeing increases in hospitalizations or increases in deaths or people in the ICU. But those numbers will naturally start to go up as we get more cases because although university students are very unlikely to get sick enough to be hospitalized, 
at some point, one of them is going to give it to one of their parents, and they, they may, may very well be sick enough to be hospitalized. And so those numbers will start to rise as well. They'll just be coming along a little bit later. So we have an opportunity now. If we were to act now, we could make a small tweak and not get into trouble later, or we can wait for a while longer and have to do something much more aggressive down the road. Yeah, aggressive in terms of, do you think we're going back to, you know, stage two or maybe even a stage one that we're going to have to roll back uh, some of these uh, restrictions that have been loosened over the last few months? Yeah, I mean, absolutely nobody wants to go back to mid-March, right? Nobody wants to get in that in that scenario at all. Um, so you want to make smaller changes now. And one of the things that's obviously being pushed quite hard right now is places like the GTA perhaps should go back to a phase two rather than a phase three. I mean, I do have to wonder, as our cases are going up and as we're seeing outbreaks, uh, it's un I can't really reconcile in my head why we have bars and uh, strip clubs open. You know, like, like while we're about to face what inevitably will be more cases because of schools opening up, um, we're going to have to make some choices without going all the way back where we shut everything down. Yeah. Are private parties, are they safer than uh, bars? I wanted to ask you that, uh, doctor, because there's yeah. a very interesting uh, quote by uh, one Quebec uh, restaurateur, a uh, bar owner, who says that, uh, listen, we've got sanitization going on here. We've got proper physical uh, distancing uh, that is uh, controlled and uh, supervised. And his argument was that his establishment, a bar, is actually safer than people getting together at a private home. Yeah, I mean, his bar might be. Right. I mean, and I think that's the trick. Right. And not all of these are, are, are necessarily following the same precautions. You know, I think it all comes down to who are you meeting in those scenarios? So if you're in a private party, but these are all people that, you know, and, you know, they're part of your sort of more uh, extended bubble, then I'm less worried about spread there because you, you kind of know what you're dealing with versus going to a bar where you know nobody, where everybody is coming from a different bubble. And also, you know, to be blunt, if you're if you're drunk, you're probably not paying too much attention to what's going on. And so for every bar that's very, very careful, there's another one that is less careful. And for every house party where people are really being, you know, very careful, there's others where it's a total free-for-all. So in my mind, it's a little bit less about the environment and more about the behavior of people in that environment. All right. But if you're Dr. David Williams, you would like to see restaurants, nightclubs, uh, rolled back strip clubs as well. Well, you know, restaurants are a little bit different. I mean, with the patios, now the patios aren't going to last for forever. I think we have to make very um, careful rollbacks if that's what we're going to do. I mean, but if you look at, for example, strip clubs, right, Toronto has had has had two strip club uh, 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 outbreaks, essentially, where they couldn't do contact tracing because people weren't giving their real names. That, to me, seems like a fairly obvious place where do these do these establishments need to be open? Um, you know, bars, if, if we were able to enforce and ensure that people were behaving properly, you could probably get away with it. But we also hear many stories where that's not the case, uh, in particular around, you know, bars associated with universities, et cetera. So... You know, it's hard to tar everybody with the same brush by the same token. We're going to be in real trouble if we don't start scaling back some of the things we're allowing right now. 
Joined on the line by Dr. Michael Gardam with Humber River Hospital discussing the uh, latest uh, COVID count. Again, 313 new cases in the uh, province today. I wanted to ask you, doctor, about the TTC as well, because uh, they are a little concerned, or they're at least warning uh, passengers there about an increase in uh, transit riders. Back to school means a more crowded uh, TTC. And what would you say to those that are riding uh, public transit right now? You know, it really comes down to trying to maintain that 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 physical distance. I mean, right now, uh, you know, looking at the streetcars going by my condo, they still seem fairly empty, but I'm sure some of the routes in the city are much more crowded. Uh, but trying to maintain that physical distance and definitely wearing a mask. And in that environment where you may be on the, the bus or the streetcar or the subway for 20 minutes with a mask, I'm less worried about that environment than I would be about, uh, you know, kids being in the classroom for the whole day or being in a crowded bar or in a crowded restaurant or any, any crowd anywhere where you're there for several hours, perhaps without wearing a mask. Yeah, it seems like we've just heard this uh, ad nauseum since uh, March, but uh, the three rules that hold true still to this very day, which is uh, make sure you've got a mask, proper physical distancing, and of course, sanitization, washing your hands. Yeah, and the fourth one that I add to that is always ask yourself, you know, do you need to be in this place right now? Is, is, this, is this an essential thing you need to do? At which point, mm. go ahead and do it. But if you're just kind of wandering into a bar for no particular reason, then that, to me, seems like you're piling on risk that you don't necessarily need to pile on versus taking uh, the, the, the subway where if you have to get to work, you have to get to work. You don't have a choice. Yeah, and just uh, finally, of course, we're all awaiting a vaccine, and we've heard uh, perhaps end of year, early 2020. But Pfizer, their CEO, is out the, uh, this morning, a doctor saying that uh, they will know by the end of October whether or not the vaccine that they're working on, whether or not it actually does work and is a go. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's several phase three trials going on right now in the world for different vaccines, and those trials are with big numbers of, uh, of, of uh, participants, and they're looking at how well the vaccine works and how safe the vaccine is. And we should start to get information from those big trials coming in later in the fall. That still doesn't mean that the next day people are going to be vaccinated with them. It still means they have to then jump through the regulatory hoops, and then they have to start manufacturing, which is why, although we may hear some promising news about vaccines this fall, we're not getting vaccinated until uh, 2021, 2022. That's just the, the reality of the, of the timetable of had, being able to roll these out. So we need to temper our excitement. People need to remain uh, realistic because this is maybe the first time, I think, uh, from Pfizer, their CEO, that uh, we've all heard of kind of a definite timeline. It's just not somewhere out there in the future. It's like by the end of next month, we will know whether or not we got one. Well, and the thing is there, right? You may find out that their vaccine works uh, 30%. Right. We don't actually know how well it works yet. And so that's very different from hearing that we've got a highly effective vaccine ready to go. All we're going to hear at the end of next month will be, you know, the preliminary information from the trials that are currently ongoing. So we'll find out. But I mean, what I keep reminding people is we've got at least 18 months to two years of this and we're basically six months in. Dr. Garden, it's going to be a while. Appreciate the time as always. Thanks so much for joining us this afternoon. Thank you. Bye bye. It was Dr. Michael Gardam, infectious disease expert. TikTok, they have found a new U.S. business partner. And there's also some interesting news regarding Huawei and the 5G network here in this country. For more on both those stories, let's welcome in tech expert Mark Saltzman. He's on the line and joins us now on Global News Radio. 
Mark, good afternoon. How are you, my friend? I'm doing great, Jeff. Good to chat with you again. Well, likewise. Uh, let's start with this uh, news regarding uh, Huawei and uh, the battle between uh, that company and our uh, government and the 5G network. Uh, we're now hearing that if we do not go with Huawei, some of the big telecoms uh, in this country, uh, they want reimbursed by the government? Yeah, so this is uh, what's going on. So both Bell and TELUS, they used Huawei's infrastructure for the 4G rollout, which is what we're currently using today. LTE, long-term evolution. Those are the towers they commissioned uh, that Huawei largely built across the country. If they do not go with Huawei for 5G, and it looks like they are going to be working with competitors, Ericsson and Nokia, to be specific, that they, in order for it to be compatible with the existing gear, they have to strip it out and then have Ericsson and Nokia's 4G gear in there. It's just an incompatibility between the two different wireless uh, cellular standards. So what they're saying is that this could cost us, uh, you know, hundreds of millions, if not a billion dollars in total between the two companies, Bell and TELUS, and they are looking to the Canadian government saying, look, if you're the one saying we can't use uh, Huawei's gear, and that's largely why they made that decision, then do what Trump is doing in the U.S., which is offering a $1 billion uh, payout to telcos to not use Huawei for fear of you know, I mean, it's all about the Chinese government. It's all highly politicized. But this is what they're going after. The Canadian government, even though it wasn't an official statement, said, I don't think so. Uh, if it's about national security, then we don't have to pay you. And, and frankly, I mean, we're looking at it, you know, obviously a deficit we haven't seen in, since World War II. They're not going to be putting in their hand in their pocket. So it might be a bit of a standoff, but it's still a little too early to tell. Can I just say I would love to see an official government statement that reads, I don't think so. <laughs> They still have some time, though. It's not till June of next year that this uh, is all going to sort of take place, it seems. But in the meantime, I mean, the, the carrier is highly competitive, so they don't want to fall behind the 5G bandwagon either. And what's worse is that they're saying if they don't get compensation from the Canadian government, then they will be forced to put this on the backs of customers, of course. So we're going to have to pay more for 5G if the government isn't going to pay them. So we'll have to see what happens. We have an interest in this now, too. So <laughs> let, let me ask maybe the obvious question here is, why are our telcos so in bed with uh, Huawei? It seems kind of weird from a business standpoint that we'd be so married to uh, just uh, one company that they wouldn't have the flexibility to, to move and go with like Ericsson yeah. or something else. Yeah, it's, it's a good point. It's, it's unfortunate that between the generations of, of cellular tech that there has to be some compatibility there. It's too bad that they can't just augment what they've got uh, with uh, Ericsson and Nokia for 5G and sticking with Huawei for 4G as they won that contract uh, you know, a decade ago or so. Uh, that's just the way the technology is built on the infrastructure level, apparently. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, they worked with Huawei for 4G. It's too late to do anything about that now, but they may be forced to rip it out. And then what kind of disruption are we going to see in 2021, 2022, if they have to make this, uh, you know, this upgrade to a whole, whole new, you know, couple of companies here. It's, it's not going to be pretty, but let's hope that they can avert this. Do you think we possibly could be left behind, at least in the short term here in Canada, going to 5G? And if we do eventually get to 5G and it's not with Huawei, as you mentioned a second ago, Mark, we could possibly... <laughs> 
I think a lot of people would be shaking their heads hearing this, but yeah. paying even more for Internet? Yeah, and I've written about that in the past, that if until we figure out what's going on with Huawei, and they've been sit- set, sitting on this for a couple of years now. It was actually back in February of 2019 when TELUS said, this is going to cost us a lot if you are going to not uh, allow us to work with Huawei. That was back a year and a half ago. That, yeah, this, we, this could put us at a disadvantage globally when it comes to 5G adoption and, and the evolution of some technologies like IoT, Internet of Things, uh, which is poised to be, you know, the next uh, big thing, as well as smart cities uh, and smart cars. A lot of that is hinged on the adoption of 5G. So that could put us at a disadvantage, not to mention the engineers that are here that can't work on it. Domestically, we're going to lose them to other countries who are uh, ahead of us in 5G, and we're going to lose that, that talent, that brain drain. Joined by Mark Saltzman. Mark, also wanted to talk to you this afternoon about TikTok, because they have chosen Oracle over Microsoft as their American partner. And this is all due to a request by the American uh, government, because there's been concerns when it comes to a TikTok. Uh, it's a Chinese-owned app, and there's been a lot of concerns uh, regarding spying in this app. It's funny how these two stories, Jeff, are very similar today. Yeah. <laughs> so this is, yeah, going back to, you know, August 7th, uh, President Trump first issued an executive order threatening a ban on TikTok unless the company that owns them, called ByteDance, sold its operations in the U.S., and uh, they said that the app may be sharing data with the Chinese government. And then weeks later, TikTok said it was filing a lawsuit that uh, contested this, this presidential order. So now ByteDance was in bed, apparently, with Microsoft, but uh, only to jump over to Oracle. Um, and there's some political issues there as well. I mean, uh, Larry Ellison, the, uh, the head of the company, is a big Trump supporter. He's donated. Did Trump have anything to do with this? There's a lot of interesting uh, analysis today based on the news. But it looks like... so. ByteDance is not going to be sold to uh, Oracle, but they're going to be in charge of their U.S. operations. Both companies have confirmed that this is true, and uh, this will throw a lifeline to the very popular TikTok app, especially among uh, the younger generation, that, that this, they can continue to work in the U.S. if this all gets ironed out. But there were concerns about national security issues. Uh-huh. Yeah, what does this mean for users? Anything at all, Mark? Well, we don't know. It's still too early to tell. I can't see them doing sort of an editorial overhaul of TikTok and allowing some content over others. I think it'll be largely uh, the same. Um, I, I think it's just, just changing of the guard, you know, who's in charge of the company. Uh, I don't think we're going to see anything much different. And then, again, the concern among the U.S. government, at least, was that this data among users, and there are probably uh, tens of millions of them in the U.S. alone, that what, what was being done with that data? You know, what, 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 who, who's in charge of it all? And, and what safeguards are in place to make sure that this isn't shared with the Chinese government, which, of course, ByteDance denied. But it is true that uh, any major company, the, the government has uh, a hand in it in some way, shape, or form. So, Does the uh, Canadian government, sorry, Mark, do they share similar concerns as the uh, U.S. government when it yeah. comes to their citizens' privacy? And could we see something uh, similar here in Canada? I remember the privacy commissioner saying something back in July about concerns over TikTok, but I don't think they've gone so far as to hint at a ban uh, on the popular app here. But uh, interestingly, we're going to maybe follow suit just like with the 5G story. Uh, the Americans took the lead on the Huawei ban, and obviously we all know about this trifecta between Canada, the U.S., and in China over uh, the Huawei and, um, you know, the, the whole uh, indictment. So we'll see what happens. We may follow suit pretty 
short, right, pretty quickly, but not at this point. From- yeah. For those listening that have not used TikTok, uh, maybe they don't have kids that are, I mean, it seems it's really popular with uh, teenagers uh, in particular. Can you kind of quantify just uh, the rapid rise that this company and this app has uh, seen and just uh, how big, how influential are they now? Yeah. So for millennials, which I think is... Uh, I think it's like 32-year-olds and younger, uh, I think 79% of them have this app on their smartphone. And a good chunk of that number uh, are, are used on not just on a, on a monthly basis, but on a daily basis. So it's an incredibly popular way to consume uh, video content as well as to create and share video content. That's the only way I can quantify it is with that demographic. I think it's also, I, I've, you know, I'm slightly older than that. <laughs> uh, and I know that a lot of my, <laughs> anecdotally, so not yeah, I can't uh, put a number to it, but I, it's not just among the, you know, the uh, Gen Gen Y and Gen Z. I think that even uh, middle-aged folks, Gen Xers, are using the app as well. Very, very popular. Uh, it has rocketed in, in popularity. Um, Instagram tried to, you know, Instagram and Facebook's trying to emulate some of those short-form videos, uh, but uh, you know, TikTok is still as popular as it was a couple years ago, if not more so. Yeah, here's how I knew that TikTok had really taken off because you're right. Instagram come up with the reels, and you know when your competitor comes up with something so similar to what you have that you're on to something. Yeah, well, yeah, same with uh, Zuckerberg trying to buy Snapchat and them turning them down for, you know, I can't remember the number now, but a ridiculous number, and uh, and then them doing, doing something very similar with Instagram stories and all that. It's just not the same. But TikTok, is, uh, they've got the momentum. Uh, it's hugely popular in Canada, and uh, we'll see if this U.S. decision changes anything here, but at this point, I don't think there was an ultimatum or anything north of the border. All right, Mark, good stuff. Thanks, as always. Appreciate it. Likewise. Cheers. Mark Saltzman, tech expert. And that's the Jeff MacArthur podcast for Monday, September the 14th. Thank you for downloading. Thank you for listening. Just a reminder, you can listen live weekdays from 1 to 3 Eastern on 640toronto.com. And, of course, you can uh, find us on Spotify. Just search my name, Jeff MacArthur, or download us wherever you get your favorite podcasts.